The Devil's Dirt Star podcast was created for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings from the Devil's Dirt Star, a podcast for the esoteric and strange. So last week we had an issue where one of the doors, the CEO's door got locked and the key got locked inside so she couldn't get inside of it. And it was on a day that I had off, but she texted me to ask if by any chance I knew how to pick locks, which I do. Um, Of course you do. It was a, it was a hyper fixation of a time. Um, But (laughs) after she texted me that, and I was very excited because I've only picked locks at home for fun. And, (laughs) and then I I was like, ah, I think I might be the Dwight shoot of my office. I think you are. I think I am. Yeah. I don't, I don't love that for me, but it's too late now. I mean, I was homeschooled in very Amish-like conditions <laughs> and I did speak, oh my God, I'm super, I'm totally Dwight Schrute. <gasps> no. Yeah. I think it's apparent. I mean, dirtlings. Yeah. I mean, my, my mom is very Dwight schrute Some of his quotes have been her exact quotes. When he talks about the Huns putting babies on spikes, my mom told me that word for word when I was like six. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah, I'm the Dwight Schrute of the office. Yeah, that along the with gym. the homeschooling, mm-hmm. you came out entirely normal. It's fine. I came out totally normal. Yep. <laughs> no one would ever know. <laughs> Thank you for that delightful story, Ellie. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So that's how my week was. <laughs> nice. My week was a blur, as usual. I'm just excited because I am on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do absolutely nothing. As one should on vacation. If you're doing things on vacation, it is not a vacation. Yeah. It's like a staycation, but I'm like totally ready. That's even better. Yeah. Just catch up on pod stuff and I don't know, maybe some art and pamper myself and clean my house and eat really good food. That's all I want to do. Yeah. That's all you should do. Nothing else. Thank you. Don't answer any work texts. I I know you will. I turn my notifications off. You're going to check them anyways. Uh, Don't lie. (laughs) Well, I need to just like make a a time like each day. Like, okay, I could check it in the morning and I can check it before bed. No, maybe not before bed because that'll stress me out. Morning only. Notify people that if you want me, might have to wait 24 hours. If you text me at 10 and I checked them at nine, you're going to have to wait till nine the next day. I did tell everyone I would be unreachable at this time, but I... They're not going to care. What... (laughs) Exactly that, but also they know I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) There is no escape. She has internet. I'm going to text her now. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Uh, Yeah. So um, before we get started, we'll give a little shout out to our sponsor, Strange Adornments. Um, You can find her at Strange Adornments on TikTok and Instagram. She creates these absolutely beautiful uh, rope necklaces with bones and beads. They're fantastic. I own three. The only (laughs) reason I don't own more is because her products are so amazing. They sell out very quickly and you have to be very fast when you get to her site. Absolutely. Notifications on my phone. Yep. I'm waiting. I want a choker because right. I mean, I have like (laughs) choker-esque, like a rosary and the one that she custom made for me, but I want a single line choker. I thought for some reason that registered in my head as you want to choke her. (laughs) Wow. No, I like her very much. I don't want to choke her. Deep in the dirt star. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wow. Very much inside. (laughs) I really needed this vacation. (laughs) Oh God. Oh yeah. Well, welcome back dirtlings. Yeah. As you know, I'm your host, Big Spoon. And this is my co-host, Ellsworth. Hello. And 
We wanted to talk about something, or rather, I wanted to talk about something a little murdery, but also a little spooky. So we're going to cover some woodsy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Something that is very um, specific to our area. There's, you know, in the northeastern region of the United States, especially in mountainous areas, these creatures, that's where they were born, within the native tribes of this area. Absolutely. I'm going to crack open my can before we get going. We've got some delicious... Pear Down East Cider. Yeah, I'm excited. I haven't had a pear cider in a minute. It's refreshing. Oh, that is good. Isn't it? Yeah, like it's not too pear-y. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, because pear, pear can be hit or miss. can be a little sweet, but this is very crisp. Yes, it's very crisp. I could definitely fucking down this. Oh, yeah. There's also <laughs> a blackberry one in this set. I think I drank all of them because mm. I looked and I was going to bring them over. Love anything blackberry. Blackberry and blueberry are my... And raspberry. I guess berries. I'm a berry person. Yeah. Yeah. Brighter day flavors. Yeah. Those are always good. I love them. Yeah. So uh, grab a flashlight and let's dive head first into the dirt star. And I promise we will be right behind you. Yes. You get so to you go get first. first. <laughs> <laughs> Cannibalism, am I right? Buckle up, dirtlings. <laughs> There's going to be some eating of humans in this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> But now I want you to give me a rundown on this crazy ass creature so that I can give you a story about Swift Runner. Swift Runner? Swift Runner. Is that Runner. like the predecessor to Swiffer? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know that he would appreciate that. <laughs> no oh. offense to Swift. Oh, Swift Runner's uh, someone's name. Yes. So his first name is Swift. Swift Runner. Oh, Swift. Oh. <laughs> that makes. Okay. So this is, that's a Native American Yes. Okay. It's just like Swift Runner. (laughs) It's like you saying choker, and I'm like, choker. It's the same (laughs) problem. Okay. Okay. I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Allegedly, he was possessed by a Wendigo. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Okay. Which is the reason for a ton of terrible shit he did. And this happened, Swift Runner, that whole situation that happened in Alberta, Canada. And Ellsworth is going to give us a breakdown of these creatures and what their deal is before we dive into that shit show and the massacre that ensued for the uninitiated. I'm very excited. <laughs> me too. I love me a good massacre. Not, not, not really, but you know, historical, <laughs> historical cryptid related massacres. Yeah. Like that happened that well happened... in the past. So there is no current pain from it. Exactly. Yes. Especially, well, were the people involved, you know what? We'll get into it. Never mind. <laughs> We'll I rescind it. what I said. I don't really love a good massacre. You know, take it with a grain of salt. I didn't I didn't mean it like that. Oh my god, I'm gonna get canceled. I'm, <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. Don't cancel the dirt star host. You need us. We're the heroes you didn't ask for, but the ones you needed. Man, I got a lot to say about the Wendigo. It's really interesting. I mean, I knew some of the basics of it. I feel like most people who are into cryptids know the basics of the Wendigo. Yeah. Um, you know, it really boils down to if one could Take a time machine, fill it with Snickers, go back to the 17, the 16 through the 1800s, find these hungry people and just give them a Snickers bar. You know, they could be themselves again. I love Snickers. Yeah. 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 So that's my solution to the Wendigo. Um, you know, because you're not you when you're hungry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're so not you when you're, you're not. Hungry. You're not. You gotta just just take that Snickers bar before you take a bite of your spouse. It's just you know. So fair enough. 
to the history of the Wendigo, which does find its origins from this area. So the tale of the Wendigo, its origins do come from Native American folklore, specifically regions with harsh winters like the um, Algonquin which the Algonquins lived in northern New England. So places like present-day Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, eastern northern New York, so kind of the area where we live, places like Quebec, specifically yep. eastern Quebec in Canada, which is, you know, across the border from here. And then also the Ojibwe. Ojibwe. Um, I realize I didn't look up how to pronounce that, so please forgive me, uh, which is another tribe that lived in southern Canada, so just north of here, kind of Ontario. Oh, yeah. I've um, seen Ottawa that. area. Yeah. So these tribes believed that during times of scarcity, famine, when resources were scarce, and there was a lot of, you know, hunger and desperation and people really looking for food. And maybe this is just an explanation for you know, in time, and there's so much evidence. I mean, the Dahmer party is a good example of, Donner oh, party the, is a good example yep. of this. I always say Dahmer party because, you know, cannibalism, <laughs> I I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> Donner party. A great t-shirt. <laughs> Just Jeffrey Dahmer with a little hat. Like a little a dinner kazoo. table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so there's evidence of shipwrecks and stuff. People do this too. In times yeah. of need, long pig is a resource and long pig meaning human meat. So the tale of the Wendigo is that, you know, in times of famine or scarcity, and and they illustrate the Wendigo as being a creature that is born of greed. And we'll kind of tie into that later because there's actually some modern day examples of stories that are told in a more metaphorical aspect as to evidence of the Wendigo still existing to this day. But those afflicted with you know, the spirit of the Wendigo would experience insatiable hunger, specifically hunger for human flesh. Mm -hmm. And it would drive them to perpetrating really horrible crimes, you know, specifically cannibalism and murder. Pretty bad. To these peoples, the Wendigos, you know, were basically the embodiment of greed, how extreme greed leads to this destructive need for more and more and more. And just the moral deterioration that comes from that as far as you doing what it takes to get more. Wow. I've read uh, through my research, I found several translations for the term Wendigo. The one I see the most says that it is the Algonquin word for evil spirit, which Mm, makes sense for me. Um, However, the Encyclopedia Britannica says that in Ojibwe, the term is defined as a winter cannibal monster. And then they also say that the name might derive from the proto-Algonquin word, Winnetekowa, meaning owl. Oh, All very different terminologies. Evil yeah. spirit to me makes most sense. Although Winnetekawa does kind of sound like Wendigo. Yeah. Um, so a key description of the Wendigo, it is important that they have an icy heart. It is a key to it. They don't have a warm heart, which is why you don't see Wendigos in the summertime, which makes sense okay. when you tie it into the famine and the hunger and the desperate need for food. So, you know, you come across maybe a family or a tribe or like a small town or something where people were driven to cannibalism because it was that or die. Wow. The first town, Jamestown, was it Jamestown? One of the first towns that the Pilgrims lived in, they had to commit cannibalism over the winters. They had to dig up their dead because they did not Oh, they dug up their dead. They didn't kill. No, there was no homicide that we know of, although who knows, but yes. um, So cannibalism, you know, historically is a thing that happens in times of extreme need and especially in the wintertime where it's hard to find other food. Wow. So these creatures are seen as basically a caricature of a starving person. They're really skeletal. They are cold hearted. Generally, a very common thing that you see within these is they have like red, evil, malevolent eyes. And the transformation is kind of marked by both physical and spiritual changes. So not only do they become these 
it seems to be a really common scary cryptid thing where things kind of get elongated limbs and a yeah, little bit taller and thinner. Definitely. There's something scary about that. I'm getting very close to that. If I went on a diet, I could, <laughs> in fact, become a cryptid. You would be a Wendigo. Oh, yeah. Although, <laughs> or a I'm not a huge meat thing. You know, if Wendigos were ravenous for berries or chocolate ice cream, dude, I'm, I'm already there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you're a 2023 Wendigo. I'm a 2023 Wendigo. You give me some gluten-free mac and cheese and a, little, oh, a big thing yes. of raspberries, like good fresh raspberries. I'm really big. Fruit has to be firm. I don't want your soft raspberries, your soft blueberries, or your soft grapes. But if you get me some peak of the ripeness, maybe even a little pre-ripe. Anyways, <laughs> Wendigos, um, you know, so aside from the physical changes, you know, turning into, I almost envision this as kind of like a more skeletal version of slender man so slender man yeah. you don't really see him as a bony creature no. he's just a long like spaghetti armed kind of creature yeah a wendigo guy. is a tall really long bony you know ribs jutting out like teeth collarbones popping out yeah. just kind of emaciated just, starving person was just gonna say yeah. emaciated yep yeah. And so along with those physical changes, they also go crazy. They become ravenous. They can't fill themselves fast enough. They have an uncontrollable desire for human flesh. And this is something also tying into the scientific aspect of this folklore is that when you do eat human flesh, you do start to crave it. It is shown that it can drive you crazy. There are some, I did not write down the science behind this. There's something within human flesh that if you become cannibalistic, it legitimately affects your brain and can make you go crazy, which is why a lot of the times when you read the Donner Party comes to mind, went from cannibalizing the dead to murdering and cannibalizing. Yeah. And so like they truly do start to go mad. Perhaps the science and the Wendigo kind of mesh and they commingle in the situation where maybe the Wendigo is real and maybe that spirit is the insanity that comes with consuming flesh in times of insane desperation. Because as Ugh. soon as you get to that point, it's nearly impossible to come back from. I have heard of it referred to as Wendigo psychosis. Yes. And we're going to get into that because I read a few studies about specifically mm. the Wendigo psychosis. So I have a quote from Basil Johnston, a Ojibwe teacher and scholar from Ontario, Canada. And this is a graphic description from him of what the Wendigo looks like. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets, the Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from superations of the flesh, giving off strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. In this legend, you know... In this folklore, one of the protections you have against Wendigos are the shamans in your village. And shamans were kind of a catch-all for, you know, they were the wise man, you know, the, the person you come to for advice, yeah. the person who helps you with leadership. And they were also the healers. And so they didn't just heal with, you know, here's some herbs that are going to help you deal with a difficult menstruation. They're also going to protect from curses from other tribes, shamans, and also protect you from evil spirits and curses and all those kind of things that even just naturally born, quote unquote, evil spirits, not necessarily ones that were sent from other tribes. But I did read in multiple articles of this folklore talking about how sometimes, according to this lore, shamans would send a Wendigo from their tribe to another tribe to curse them. Oh, that's fucked up. And there were different ways that the shamans would kind of protect from Wendigos. They would either like create a spiritual barrier that the Wendigo could not pass to like kind of 
trap them in forests or certain locations, which is why there are locations that are known as being um, when to go heavy. Yeah. <laughs> as places that, you know, um, the, the natives of this land would not go into. You know, you're making me think that like these shamans are kind of like the barbers. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Like I can give you a high and tight, but also I can take out your kidney. And weirdly know. though, if I had, like, if I was in this era and I had to pick to go to like the white man's barber or the natives shaman, I would pick the shaman. I would pick the shaman in a heartbeat. Even though obviously there's a lot more spirituality tied behind their practices. I feel like there's also more unconscious science behind it. They're giving you herbs that actually work instead of just like, let me put this leech on you, bleed you out, even though you're already really sick and see what happens then. Also, I don't wash my hands because I think that that is a stupid practice. We could do an entire episode on that poor man who lost his job and his sanity and his life because he tried to institute the practice of washing hands. (gasps) I have strong feelings. That man should have statues built to him everywhere. I'm saying that man because I can't remember his name. I know he was a foreign guy, but he discovered that, oh, surprisingly, when doctors go from, you know, cutting up corpses to then delivering babies. The babies and mothers don't do very well because there's bacteria on their hands. He tried to institute handwashing and he was mocked and ridiculed out of his position, put in an insane asylum and then basically murdered by the person who took over his position. It's a horrible story. I don't know his name, but if you look up the history of handwashing and doctors, you'll probably find it. Anyways, we'll do it. Dark history. So, um, one of the things that I want to bring up specifically, this comes up in the tales of the Wendigo is a man named Jack Fiddler. So that is his anglicized name. He has a long, beautiful name that I would butcher if I even try. I even like looked up how to pronounce it and yeah. I would have butchered it. I was going to say, I saw pictures of Fiddler and realized he it was looked anglicized. Like, he looks like such, he looks like someone that I would go to and I, I would, you know, seek help with. He was very well liked amongst his tribe and amongst the settlers that they worked with. He was a shaman and a leader of the Sucker Clan. They're a group of Cree living in the forests off of Sandy Lake in Ontario. So I got a lot of this information, the more detailed information from an article in the Hypocrite Reader by Deborah Rose Penna. It's Penna or Pina, I'm not sure, but If you look up Hypocrite Reader in that name, you'll find it. And it was an article specifically about him. There are a few other articles, but this is the one where I got the bulk of my content from. So he was a fairly powerful shaman that was well-known and well-liked by his people. And he was also well-known and well-liked by the people surrounding. So, you know, the settlers really liked him. He was really wise and he was also very good at recognizing change and being like at one point I read that he had missionaries come and speak to him to try and change his mind. And he was very respectful and he listened to them. He didn't take the bait. He did not have any change of heart, so to speak, from the conversation, but he was very respectful and he listened to them and he gave them his time. And he was very good at kind of keeping peaceful interactions between his people, the sucker clan, and the settlers who had moved into the area. So the settlers who had moved into the area, they were called the Hudson's Bay Company. And we'll kind of return to them in a second, but I'm going to go over a little bit more about Fiddler. As we enter this, so allegedly throughout his time, defeated 14 Wendigos. Whoa. Caveat meaning when you defeat a Wendigo, that means murdering or euthanizing the people who were those Wendigos. I say euthanizing because some of these people will come to him and say, I'm afflicted with the Wendigo. Before I become insatiable and mad, I want you to euthanize me. And doing irreparable damage. Yes. Yeah. So we have to, as we tell the story, understand that we're looking at it from two lenses that will affect what it would look like if he did this now versus when he did this. Oh yeah. And this is uh, late 1800s, early, like 
I think he was arrested in 1907. So late 1800s. Oh, he was arrested for this. Yes. So we have to accept that we're both looking at this from a modern lens, like modern day. If someone's doing this, obviously that person is a criminal and also accept that we're looking at it through the lens of our own culture. Yes. So we're looking at this from a lens of thinking, okay, Wendigos aren't real. This person was crazy and was killing people. And you know, look at that and accept that we are looking at it from a lens of a culture that committed genocide against his culture. So I just want to put that, throw that little caveat out there. I'm not saying what he did was okay, but just everything I read about him, I get the impression that he was a good person. He was well-liked. He was behaving in what he thought was the best interest. And it wasn't like a cult kind of thing. This was a belief system that was deeply held by everyone in his tribe and these peoples believed in this. So I don't think he got pleasure out of killing. I don't think he was a sociopath. I don't think he was delusional in any way. I think it was obviously not okay, but I think it was someone who really was acting out of what they thought was the better good. And when you, when you look at the situation that kind of led to the Wendigos that he had to deal with, you see that it is a much more complex situation than him just seeing people struggling and being like, yep, time to kill him. So he was well-liked. He was seen as a very strong and wise leader. He was really good at maintaining a good relationship with the settlers in the area. I guess... Going a little more, you know, tapping back into that sidebar about the psychology of the Wendigo. Again, the Wendigos were seen as manifestations of greed. And in Pena's words, Wendigo was an agent of externally inflicted starvation. We need to recognize that as the Hudson's Bay Company came into this area, it led to overfishing, it led to overhunting and winter famine for the Cree peoples. And then you have to also add diseases that were brought to them. Alcoholism that became pretty rampant because we were introducing things. The Algonquin living in this area at this time were experiencing really intense and distressing and desperate times, and it was externally inflicted. And I'm not saying that Hudson's Bay Company was being malicious in any way. It sounds like they were, you know, having good relations with them, but they were bringing in a lot of people and basically over-industrializing the area and just wiping out all their resources. All the resources. So they were lacking resources, and then that led to a lot of famine and disease and death. As these issues proliferated, so did the stories of the Wendigo, which makes sense because, you know, famine and any psychosis induced by famine was going to increase. So the American Psychology Association, they define quote unquote Wendigo psychosis as a severe culture bound syndrome occurring among northern Algonquin Indians living in Canada and the northeastern United States. The syndrome is characterized by delusions of becoming possessed by a flesh-eating monster and is manifested in symptoms including depression, violence, and a compulsive desire for human flesh, and sometimes actual cannibalism. I did further research into the history of the Wendigo psychosis because I wasn't sure when that really became a thing. You know, tying it into psychology seems like a more modern. No one was looking at it from a psychological perspective in the late 1800s. There's just no way. According to an article called Wendigo Psychosis by the Faculty of Medicine from Niklaus Copernicus University in Poland, the so-called Wendigo Psychosis became more recognized by the medical community in the 1960s. In this article, 70 cases of psychosis were noted during that time in the 60s. That's a lot. Um, 63% of the victims of that psychosis displayed acts of anthropophagy, meaning eating human flesh, and 37% either recovered or were killed out of fear. Just kind of tying into, I believe that these tribes were experiencing, you know, quote unquote, an increase in Wendigo activity because they were starving to death. Alcoholism too. I mean, there are things that really tie into the behaviors changing. And so he was acting in the better interest of his tribes and he was dealing with these Wendigos in the way that he knew how. And in their eyes, there is not really a cure for Wendigo 
the way to prevent it is to, cause the Wendigo is supposed to seduce you with, you know, I, I kind of think of the witch, you know, do you want to live deliciously? But like, you know, it's seduced by these people are starving and in need and, and you're seduced by the idea of like, you could have more, you can have more. Yeah. And it led to more Wendigos happening. And I'm, but it's not like a werewolf where you kill the original werewolf or a vampire. You kill like the vampire and then everyone else who was afflicted goes back to being human. Yeah. This is like, it's a spiritual disease essentially. Once Once you contract it, it's over. Yeah. Damn. So he in 1907 was charged with murdering people. Technically he was murdering people and the newspapers at the time um, sensationalized the situation and, and, you know, called it devil worship and murder and, and, and made it look a lot darker than it was. And obviously, I mean, it was a very dark time. It was a dark situation. It really sucked that these people were suffering in this way. But again, I don't believe, you know, it was not acceptable that he was doing these things, but he was trying to protect his people in the way that he knew how, and it was not out of any malicious intention. So he was on trial. The police kind of saw the trial as an opportunity to, because it was sensationalized to kind of get more advancement. It was really brutal. And he actually ended up escaping and hanging himself. Oh my God. And we'll post a picture of him, but I'll show it to you. He looks like the sweetest man. Like look at his smile. I just, so actually, sorry, that, that is his son. I don't think they have any pictures of him, but that's like, yeah. I bet you Um, probably spitting image though. Yes. Yeah. His existence as a shaman, you know, with these people and his strength as a tribal leader was really protecting them from the external influence and and cultural genocide that was coming their way. So, you know, genocide carries many meanings behind it. And it's not just about killing people. It's about killing their culture. We committed massive cultural genocide against the natives in this country, forced their children into boarding schools. And we also killed a lot of them. That could be a whole other episode. The loss of his life and of his leadership in the tribe ended up getting integrated into, you know, the overbearing culture that was kind of taking over at the time, which, you know, in, in the 1900s is when we, the 1800s was a lot of us murdering. And then the 1900s was us finishing up that genocide by wiping out their culture and forcing them to integrate into our idea of what acceptable society was. So it's just very interesting, you know, because that late, very late 1800s, early 1900s, this was fairly modern history in a time where Wendigo was seen as a very active threat and something that needed to be taken care of. I just find his story really interesting. And I wanted to share that again, you know, not justifying what he did. You got to look at it through the lens of the time and the lens of his culture. And it's completely understandable. He thought he was helping his people. And, and the thing is, I mean, these people are already, the people who he was dealing with or curing of the Wendigo were probably very not well off. They had reached a point of starvation where they were considering cannibalism and going yeah. mad. So Wendigos have kind of always just been these really strong symbols, these creatures in, in Native American folklore. And they kind of show what happens if you allow yourself to let greed consume you and desire consume you and just follow the path of more, 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 more. It reminds people that it's important to embrace community and look at everyone as a whole instead of kind of looking out for yourself exclusively, which is really important, especially in tribal communities. Yeah, you have to look out for each other. It's pretty devastating to find such a very clear link between being possessed by a Wendigo or Wendigo psychosis and white people. Yes. That we potentially are the reason 
why they were devastated during the winters. Yeah. In the more recent history. The earliest mention of the Wendigos that I could find. And again, it's difficult because this is, we're talking about cultures that didn't have written history in the same way that we do. So a lot of it was verbal history. So unfortunately, heartbreakingly, that means a lot of it was lost. The earliest mentions that I could find were from the 1600s of Wendigos. But again, you know, we had already invaded this territory at that time. Interesting. The Wendigo is kind of all over culture, even today, you know, that it's in horror movies, it's in stories. There are other cryptids that I think kind of draw from the tale of the Wendigo. I mean, it is- Skinwalker. Yes. And there's a lot of, I mean, Skinwalker, I think is more of a a Midwestern cryptid, but there's (laughs) definitely, you can see the crossover, the bleed into the similarity of the Skinwalker also comes from committing an atrocious act to my narrow knowledge of the Skinwalker. I believe you had to murder your sibling and have sex with their corpse in order to become a Skinwalker. Oh, Wow. Yeah, again, I, I, I went on a, I fell into a pit of learning about skinwalkers, but this was a while ago, so I could be confusing that with two things, but that, I, I'm pretty sure that's what I read. And again, you know, I'm sure there's multiple different lores as to what becomes a skinwalker. Um, yeah. But that's what stood out to me is one of the things is kill your sibling, have sex with the dead body, and you, you know, you gain the skinwalker power. So death is involved. Yes, and um, necrophilia and incest. So, you know... The I'm big just, three. <laughs> big three. Everything happens in threes. Yeah. Um, just picturing like you falling into a pit of skinwalkers. Yeah. Because you said that. You fell into the skinwalker. Oh! <laughs> I was like, when did I? Yes. Just like diving you into know, the, like, the informational the pit. Hole. Yeah. Yeah. I fell into an informational pit of skinwalkers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. that's crazy. It's, Man. It's really it's dark. It is. It is dark and it's really interesting. I mean, I think with any cryptid or popular, you know, cultural story, you see the ties into where what's going on in reality and the brutal things that are happening kind of form these creatures and be it Topa-esque where yeah. you know, the belief creates it or it just being a metaphor or it being a malevolent spirit that feeds off of distress. But I mean, Mothman is a good example of that too, where things, they do tend to seem to come up in times of immense distress like like you said before cold war tensions Mm -hmm. and yeah it's like when something really bad is happening and especially on a grand scale to a community it's like something gets manifested yeah and be it mass hysteria or something more than that that we don't understand or or something smaller like a poltergeist yeah who knows it is very interesting and the more I learned about the tale of the Wendigo, and I really, I appreciate the metaphor for it because it kind of leans into how important it is to care for your community and be a part of your community. I do have one more article, but I think we'll end with it. The one that I was telling you about that talks in a more metaphorical way about the Wendigo in modern terms. I don't, I, I feel like that might be a good tie up after I want to hear your story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not that long. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, Swift Runner. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to do good by you. Oh, oh you yeah, just you want me to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go oh, ahead. I'm just, I'm just. I, I want to hear the metaphor. Oh, you want to hear? Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll start. So I do want to hear it. This is called Boogeymen. It's tagged under the Wendigo Psychosis Archive on MohawkNationNews.com. If you look up Boogeymen on Mohawk Nation News, you'll find it. So you can find it. Okay. But yeah, so I'll read the first paragraph of this article and then kind of like break down where it goes but it says bankers and their accomplices have wendigo psychosis it's an insatiable craving for everything in their sight the indigenous say wendigo becomes a wild-eyed violent flesh-eating maniac with superhuman strength 
They haunt northern Alberta where they go on cannibalistic rampages. This is talking about abuse of the environment and the abuse of Native American lands for things like oil. I believe Biden actually just fairly recently this year signed something allowing a pipeline to be put in place, which has been highly controversial. So specifically, this one's talking about Great Turtle Island. Um, He says, you know, the riches of Great Turtle Island and its people triggered the psychosis and strangers who came to our lands. They committed genocide of our people driven by the Wendigo psychosis. They were unchained from the morality of human feeling. So in this article, they talk about, you know, how they're polluting nature in order to get oil and take its resources and how they're abusing the native peoples who are there. And it really takes the idea of the Wendigo being a creature that is transformed beyond human by insatiable greed. And when you look at, I believe, I think we had this conversation earlier, the idea that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I believe that there is a point in business or income where you achieve absolute power. And talking about the idea that like a billionaire cannot be innocent. So the idea that when you have that kind of power, you kind of lose your grip on reality. And so this article is kind of talking about how the Wendigo psychosis has grown beyond individual people experiencing hunger for human flesh. It's people actively destroying the environment in which we live and destroying the indigenous cultures for greed and for wanting more and more and more and just becoming these insatiable monsters. The last quote in this, I'm going to read actually the last two paragraphs. Canada and Alberta pays no attention to international committees to cut greenhouse gas emissions. Shareholders must withdraw their investments. In the myths, the Wendigos have to be executed, buried, and their graves covered with a large pile of logs. Joni Mitchell says, God must be a boogeyman. Blind rage to kill. Why'd he let them talk down to cheap work and cheap thrills? In the plan, oh, the insulting plan, God must have been a boogeyman. Just got chills. I highly recommend reading this article. It's very short. Um, wow. More of an opinion piece. I don't know, but it's, it is a, uh, I think it's really interesting. And I like the concept of tying it into modern day and the idea that this greed, this prevalent greed might look different today than it did in a time where it really was life or death. And if you're starving, you're going to eat people and be driven mad. But now to- it's like, we're the Wendigo. Yeah, to the overconsumption and destruction and with blind behaviors towards the pain and destruction that you're causing, you know, I mean, even beyond the billionaires talking about the billionaires, you know, gaining absolute power and not having any idea of the destruction and pain you're causing, but also even on the individual level, not to attack anyone individually, because I'm guilty of this. I think it's impossible not to be guilty of this, but overconsumption and purchasing things that are made in inhumane conditions. And it's impossible not to. You can't own a pair of sneakers or a cell phone without in some way contributing to human suffering. So the idea that modern day has kind of created the Wendigo psychosis on a grand scheme, I just found it really interesting. And I wanted to share that. It's a lot more depressing than than the idea of someone being really hungry and eating their brother. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, somehow this is worse. (laughs) Oh, it's fucking awful. Wow. I feel like I'm having an existential crisis thinking about all this. It's, it's impossible to escape from. And I think it's, you know, it's important not to hate on yourself for contributing to it to an extent. You cannot avoid it. No, we're you all consumers. You cannot exist in the modern world yeah. and not contribute in one way or another to some form of harming another. Um, you can certainly do what you can to you know, reduce that destruction. But yeah, definitely. Don't be a fucking Wendigo about it. Yeah. But That's you know, the, the modern machine in which we live 
is a destructive one. And it is one that is always going to hurt the people at the bottom of the metaphorical barrel. You know, the Uyghur slaves in China, which I will continue to reference because it is a very serious and real problem. We should cover it. We should, although I don't want to be disappeared. Oh. Or, yeah. Maybe we have to wait. But it's a thing and you should look it up. You know, we talk about in World War II, why didn't anyone do anything while the Jews were being put in concentration camps? It's happening right now. It is actively happening right now. Why didn't we do anything? Because people felt powerless, which is what we feel like. It is happening right now. Yeah. So to your story. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a, uh, oh God. (laughs) I want to hear about Swiffer. (laughs) And choker. And choker. Um, Swiffer and choker. So I'm going to give you guys a rundown of Swift Runner. He was a Cree native that lived in Alberta, Canada, like you said. Yeah. This is from an article titled The Terrifying Tale of Swift Runner and the Windigo. It's from a... uh, from a website called Knowledge Nuts, and nuts (laughs) is all in capitals. It's very, very funny. And I thought it delivered the tale in a really nicely buttoned up package and not to make light of anything dirtlings. um, But this stuff is pretty horrible and humor is the best medicine unless you're possessed by a Wendigo. Yes. And uh, yeah, there's different and more delicious cures for that. We're laughing out of out of darkness, not because the situation itself is funny. Exactly. Yeah. And also I say delicious cures because no human flesh is not part of the cure, but apparently there's, there's actually a lot of dietary stuff that you can do consuming like a lot of fats, animal fats and meat. Really? It's just a refeeding. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. that, That was something that they would try to do. On December 20th, 1879, the citizens of Alberta, Canada witnessed their first official hanging. The man dangling at the end of the rope was a Cree native by the name of Swift Runner. What was his crime? Well, Swift Runner cannibalized his entire family. Whoa. Yeah. He must have been hungry. He was hungry. Yeah. That's like like, a whole winter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess if it's a whole. Okay, that makes sense. I I was thinking like kind of like this was like a week long process where he just like fucking binged. This was a season. I mean, I could see eating some, you know, familial beef jerky over the course of a winter. And I I couldn't see. I just mean like amount wise. Like I couldn't see consuming my. I think I could do a jerky. Let me just reverse that. I could could see myself consuming that amount of meat over the cold period that we have up here in the north. It would make sense. Yes. In a large family. Not family meat, but meat. Yes. Anyways, continue. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm just, I have all these horrible images and I'm like considering beef jerky. I love jerky. Yeah. Um, Mm. But beef. Mama's beef jerky. (laughs) (laughs) But like literally your mom. Uh, (laughs) Gross. I guess it'd be mama's long pig jerky, huh? Why do I picture like longer strips too? I know. For some reason (laughs) I'm getting this image of like just wretched dried meat hanging on hooks in some like dirty cabin. We'd have to build a smokehouse. Yeah. You you know what? If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do the jerky right. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, don't be disrespecting my mama by eating her in some poor conditions. Build her a smokehouse. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, he ate his whole family and he laid the blame on an evil spirit called a Wendigo. The next section of this story is called the whole bushel. Uh, <laughs> oh, on no. That. no, no, no. <laughs> 
If you know anything about Native American mythology, then you've probably heard of a Wendigo. An evil spirit with too tight skin and terrifying antlers, the Wendigo enjoyed dining on human flesh. Antlers. I didn't come across that one, but that's way scarier. I've always seen it depicted with antlers. It's freakier with antlers. Like long and lanky, really long claw-like hands. Yeah. The fur and the head of a deer, but it's a deer skull. There's no skin. It's like Antlers, the movie. Huh? Have you seen Antlers? Huh? It's... (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. It wasn't like my favorite but horror movie. Yeah, it's a horror okay. movie, of course. Yeah. yeah, but there's the creature. I recently actually watched a video where they're talking about the Wendigo in the movie. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> is a puppet. And oh. I, I love movies that do that, but it looks so good. And I'm disappointed because in the movie, I didn't really like the movie that much. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't dislike it. It was just, it was a myth. It was a mid-level horror movie for me. It wasn't B movie enough and it wasn't A movie enough. Like it was just mid. The creature, the puppet was so cool and so well done. And I'm really disappointed because you don't really, I didn't even recognize it was from the movie because you see it so little in the movie. So when I was watching the video, I was like, holy shit, I need to watch this movie. And then I realized it was a movie I've already seen. They just didn't didn't show oh it enough. God. But it had the deer head and the like lanky limbs and the antlers. So that's cool. I, in the movie, I didn't think, oh, that's a Wendigo, but it obviously was tying off of that. Legend. Yeah. Just deer skull, antlers, like all the fur you would see around the neck of a buck. Yeah. But then this stringy, lanky Ugh. human with claws and hooves is what I've seen yeah, anyway. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to watch that movie and you can, yeah. we'll see what, what you think of it. But yeah. So of course the sinister creature is just a myth, but if you traveled back to the 19th century in Canada, you'd probably find a lot of people who disagreed with that statement. Too many of the Algonquin tribe, the Wendigo was very real and also had a bad habit of possessing unsuspecting people and turning them into cannibals. Unfortunately, during the 1800s, several Algonquin... Why do I have a hard time? (laughs) Algonquin... (laughs) Algonquin... Oh my God, don't hurt me. Jesus, I'll do that again. Don't come at us. We know how to pronounce it. We're just mush mouth. No, I'm just Jersey again. Sorry, Jersey. Not sorry. (laughs) I'm not an accent person. Don't come at me. Yeah. Unfortunately, during the 1800s, several Algonquin natives actually did feast on their fellow humans, a result of a mental disorder modern day psychologists called Wendigo psychosis. And perhaps the most infamous victim of this horrifying condition was a Cree by the name of Swift Runner. Born in Alberta as Kakisi Kuchin, Swift Runner. Not to be confused with Swiffer. <laughs> not to be confused with Swiffer. That is the translation in Cree. To Swift Runner was a popular man in the Cree community and the father of six children. At over 180 centimeters or six feet tall, he was a giant of a man and made his living as a trapper and a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. So pretty upstanding guy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But over time, Swift Runner developed a taste for whiskey, possibly Mm. because he'd lost his ability to hunt and take care of his family and fell into the throes of alcoholism. That sucks. Yeah. Making things worse, Swift Runner was an angry drunk and his drinking habits got him into trouble. Mm. First, he was fired by the police force, and then he was kicked out of his tribe thanks to his violent tendencies, which now some of this is starting to make more sense. One thing begets the other. Yeah, the isolationism leading to madness. Then in the winter of 1878, Swift Runner took his family, his wife, six children, his mother-in-law, and brother out into the forest. 
Several months later, as spring rolled around, Swift Runner staggered out of the woods to a nearby Catholic mission. When the priest asked what was wrong, Swift Runner said his entire family was dead. Kind of burying the lead there that, that, <laughs> that you did it. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> During the winter, he hadn't been able to find any food. Oh. Slowly but surely, all his relatives had starved to death. Okay, so well, oh, well, he was isolated. He was kicked out of the community. He didn't kill them, though. That's not as bad as I thought he, like... Well, you don't know the rest of the story. Oh. <laughs> Spoke too soon, just gonna... But why would you assume the worst, you know? Yeah. Upstanding guy. Would I eat my mom? <laughs> Mama Ellie. No. If I was starving and she was already dead? Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> grass-fed beef. I know she has a good diet. Oh, yeah. You know, you'd be like, fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean... You know, I love you. You'd probably be pretty tasty. Like if I had to, you know, yeah. obviously if I had to, I'm not like thinking about it now. This is I would a, go for a pork chop right now. Yeah. This is mm. a compliment. Yes. This whole it's a conversation. You know, yeah. You know, that's try this pickup line on your Tinder. <laughs> Next time you match with someone who just looks like they've got a nice mix of fat and muscle, just like, you know, like you can tell that they're going to have the nice, like marbling, you oh, know, that yes. you see in meat, like Wagyu. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you just, you know, Hey, I'm not saying that I do this now, but if we were in a starvation situation, I bet you'd make a real nice rack of ribs and just see where it goes. You got to find the right person. I think you guys would go out for some ribs. I love me some ribs. I know you do. You've yeah. mentioned it like three <laughs> times. Listen, if you are in Memphis, you got to go to Corky's. That's all I'm going to say. Corky? Corky's. Hmm. I'm assuming they have really good ribs. Damn good barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I love ribs too. We like, we will special order Corky sauce to get it up here. Really? It's, it's like, That's cool. it was the place we went when I was a kid. They must be doing pretty good if they can, you know, bottle up yeah, their so own you, sauce. Yeah. Get some Corky's and then, okay. Again, you know, if there's no other options, you Corky's know, your mom. I think I, <laughs> <laughs> she deserves the best. No, mama, you deserve the best. <laughs> you deserve gonna, I, When I eat you, I'm going to douse you in corkies. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fantastic. <laughs> Apple smoked. Oh Sorry, God. continue. Oh, my God. They're going to play this at my trial. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, your mom's going to love this. Uh, she, she honestly probably will. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am my mother's child. <laughs> you absolutely are. <laughs> So, yeah, they all died due to starvation, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Mm. priests were a little suspicious of Swift Runner. Was he, like, a little bit too healthy? He looked pretty healthy. Next Mm. sentence. (laughs) Oh, no! Uh, Why hadn't he succumbed to starvation? He basically was still a 200-pound, six-foot-tall man. Well, okay, they should know that it was obviously God. What do you mean? God took care of him. They're priests. They should know Jesus did this. He just made loaves out of loaves. I never paid attention to my Catholic family. Is that what they believe? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I'm not. Spe- they don't specifically believe that if a man's family starves to death and he survives, yeah. it's because of God. But, you know, God Jesus, like, care of split the loaves and, like, yeah. multiplied. Yeah. Yeah. He fed Swift Runner, but not the kids or the mother-in-law or the brother. God's a boogeyman. We already been over this. <laughs> God's a boogeyman. <laughs> we covered it. And they also knew quite a few other Cree who had been pretty successful during the winter. They were fine. 
There were a lot that were still able to successfully feed themselves and their families over the winter. So they didn't really understand why Swift Runner, of all people, who used to be really good at hunting, for some reason could not find food or did not seek help for some reason. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Normal sus. Like, it was just a little weird. Also, but again, alcoholism. Eh, you know, I'm there's not calories very... in alcohol. Yeah. Not good calories, but, you yeah. know. There's... 165? Yeah, 165 in a 12-ounce can. I mean, how many calories are you supposed to eat a day? 2,000? Something like that. So, 2,000, so... I'm not but doing no fat. <laughs> yeah. No fat. Yeah. No fat. Oh, wait, you, you know fat. what you're doing? What's, sugar. The, what's the opposite of what's the opposite of the thing when people just eat fat and meat and no carbs? I don't know what the opposite is called, but I know what the other one is called. Wait, wait. What's that called? God, fat oh, diets. No. Um, what's the one called where you only eat like fucking bacon and eggs and fats? Yeah. And that's it. Help. It's Internet. not paleo diet, although no. paleo diet is similar. Um, diet where I think Joe Rogan did this diet. Just mm. eat and fat. Why can't I think of it? Not the carnivore diet. I can't. Okay, no. Remove meat where you just eat protein. Ketogenic. Ketogenic. There it is. Because it puts you in ketosis. Yes. And it's very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Nothing wrong with that diet, but you need to know what you're doing because you can make yourself very ill. Yeah. Like that's actually a. Uh, a health marker for someone suffering from anorexia. Mm -hmm. You get your body into ketosis and you're burning through all your fucking reserves. I know people who have had their metabolisms permanently fucked from doing that. Oh, like, I'm sure. Like they have to be on medication for the rest of their lives kind of fucked. There's medication for your metabolism? Yes. It's from my understanding, basically crack, but it does. Oh my God. Like it, your metabolism just stops working because. That's awful. Yeah. It's just, you know, Something take care of yourself. And anyways, continue. <laughs> Most, my most used phrase. I cut you off to completely change the subject. And then I'm like, anyways, continue. <laughs> oh my God. I already forgot the name of the diet. Ketogenic. Ketogenic. Thank you. Oh my God. Ketones. Oh, keto. So, I think people just call it keto. keto. Yeah, that's yeah. it. The priests, they were pretty disturbed by Swift Runner's constant nightmares also. He was staying with them and would constantly just have these really fucking crazy nightmares. Wake up in the middle of the night screaming. What was he screaming? I don't know. No, mama, I don't want to eat you. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. No, no, son. Yeah. I only want to eat your foot. You can survive still. He was just screaming. Didn't say, like, what I, he was I saying. I would probably wake up screaming fairly often if I had to eat my family. Yeah, if I, you <sighs> ate your whole family. I honestly, I feel like I'd choose death. Like, yeah. I just don't feel like you can come back from that. Yeah, you even know? if you ended up, like, doing it one time. Like, and even if it was someone who had already died, I just, yeah. maybe a more stable person could do it. I am not well enough. I just couldn't. Like a billionaire could do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, someone who has erased their sense of morality and humanity, but I just wouldn't, I, I, I would totally wake up screaming all the time, especially your whole family. Yeah. Fuck, and people man. had big families back then. Like they're they were probably like gone. What the fuck? Who do you have? But yourself. Yeah. And you're, I mean, I guess technically whatever you, you are, what you eat. So like, are you your family? It's some serial killer shit. Like, yeah. Having them become part of you. There's something like, Dahmer keeps getting brought up. <laughs> unhinged about consuming human flesh. Yeah. I mean, out of necessity, I can, I can empathize with having to do it out of necessity, especially sure. like, yeah. if you're a parent and Dahmer you have party. kids and you want your kids to survive and you're like, well, we got to dig up grandma. I can wrap my head around that. 
killing your loved ones so you don't starve. You lost me there. Yeah, I couldn't do I it. I would definitely have nightmares. I'd rather kill myself and let my family eat yeah. me. Yeah, or like, hey, you know, I don't need both legs. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, give There's up a There's a lot leg. of meat on a thigh. Give up a leg. Or even just a piece of a leg. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have to be the whole yeah, leg. If you do on the outside and, you know, avoid the, the big arteries, you can make it happen. I mean, they did it in Saw, which is, you know, the epitome of realism. Practical effects. Yes. I love them. So... The last weird thing that he did was he tried to lead a group of small children out into the woods unsuccessfully, mm. which it's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't love that the guy There's who no murdered context. and ate his whole family then tried to steal a bunch of kids like Peter yeah. Piper. Did you just get Peter Piper? Was it confirmed that he killed his family or was it just assumed or, or did I jump ahead? Okay, continue. Oh, Oh, yeah. You say she died of natural causes, but I see here stab wounds. Stab wounds. Blotching Yeah, you got to eat the evidence, man. Oh, my God. Consume the evidence. There's no, like, nothing to tie you back to the crime. Cannibalism. Yeah. Eat the evidence. So they're convinced he killed his entire family. The priest then went to the authorities the police put Swift Runner under arrest and ordered the big man to lead them to his winter campsite. That is a yeah, funny sentence. Why did they put a big in there? I mean, that's just... That is a, so I'm, I'm reading that that part verbatim. Ordered the big I man... I the big man. <laughs> Clearly not starved. I mean, he was pretty sizable. Again, six feet tall, 200 pounds, wicked strong. And six feet tall in the 1850s? Yeah. I mean, that dude's a mountain. Yeah, he was a mountain. That's tall now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so now sources disagree on what exactly happened next, but some say Swift Runner immediately took them to the spot. Others say he intentionally tried to mislead them, only cooperating after he was made drunk. And I did read that there is this concoction. Um, well, I guess Algonquin or the Cree natives maybe drank, but I don't know. Like an alcoholic one? Well, it was alcohol mixed with tobacco and you drank it. So do you, hmm. so can after, you, can, does nicotine do its thing if you like maybe. consume it in that way? I, 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 I don't know so. anything about nicotine. I mean, you can ingest nicotine. Think about vaping. That still gets processed in your lungs, No, right? but if you get it on your lips and your tongue. Really? And, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Also, I've heard like even with cigarettes, like getting it through your fingers and the nicotine oh, like shit. yellows your fingers and things. Like, I don't know if it can get from your fingers to your bloodstream. Like, well, but the, I've heard some fucked up things, though. Like people that... Like fentanyl, work, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. I know somebody that used to work at a company that produced heart medication, and it would basically eat through the gloves that they wore, and they would have heart palpitations working with the medication. It ate through the gloves, and they're putting it in well, their bellies? Well, they didn't know. It's on a very molecular level but the heart medication, they're dealing with all the chemicals and ingredients to make this medication, and it's giving them heart palpitations handling it. There are patches and stuff that yeah, you have to that be too. very careful. Like if you're administering a patch to someone that you don't <laughs> get that shit on your fingers because uh. depending on what the patch is, you could like. <laughs> God, that's scary. Yeah. Very. Yeah. In, very. In, <laughs> it's just. Um, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, mm. which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I watch it as a comfort movie now. It's absolutely delightful. If you also <laughs> love Nicolas Cage like me and appreciate that he is, in fact, a fantastic actor who is he not is. appreciated enough. If you have not seen Matchstick Men, it's fantastic. I have not seen Matchstick Men. I need to. I know. We need to I watch know. that. I love Matchstick Men. I just, Nicolas Cage takes bad movies, but he's not a bad actor. No, he's fantastic. Um, and it also has Pedro Pascal, who 
I mean, if you don't love Pedro Pascal, I'm suspicious of you. And anyways, in the movie, um, this is another, like, <laughs> Velocipastor and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent are two movies of which you need to watch. But in the movie, <laughs> Nicolas Cage at one point has, like, a knockout patch that he has to put on a guard. But he, he grabs it by the wrong side. <laughs> no. Or, like, no, he grabs it and then he, like, rubs his forehead and he's like, oh, no. Um, it just made me think of that. Like, you need to be careful when you're handling That's chemicals. fantastic. <laughs> that is... Oh, I would do that. It's such a, oh, me too. <laughs> me too. I would, don't put me in it. I also, I'm not a good liar. I'm not yeah, a good no. truther either. If you accuse me of doing something, I will behave guiltily because it is in my nature to do so. You are suspicious of me. Therefore, I could, I, I could I not help. be a spy. Someone would be like, did you do the thing? And even if I didn't do the thing, I'd be like, <clears throat> no. <laughs> I, I got grounded for so much shit I didn't do as a kid. Oh my <sighs> God. That's so good. So he... <laughs> Ingested alcohol and tobacco. Yes, like, it was a, a concoction, a okay. drink, tobacco mixed in like whiskey or something. And that loosened him up. And I did read from another article that he said, tomorrow I will show you. And then the next day brought them there. But the accounts are different. Some yeah. people think that he brought them there day of or that it was later on. Either way, the group eventually stumbled upon the campsite and they found a truly horrifying scene. There were bones everywhere, some broken in half and hollowed out. So, I mean, I believe that he was hungry. Yep. <laughs> and uh, that could only mean one thing, that somebody snapped the bones in half to suck the marrow out. Yeah. Marrow is like, it's one of the most nutritious things that you can yes. eat from any living creature. Have you ever had marrow? No, I, I haven't, haven't either. I've had like bone broth, but yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it would give you the same... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to try it sometime. Meryl? Well, like, I yeah. would. Yeah. I'll eat almost anything once. I'll, yeah, same. I say Except almost, for monkey brains. Not on the list. Yep, that would be the one. That would be the almost. Yep. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> nope. Not, I'm not a brain eater. I'm good. Thank you very yeah. much. Especially awesome. anything that's close enough to humans to look like a human. No. If you eat monkeys, not to <laughs> shit on cultures. I understand that everyone, this is maybe just me being biased. But if you eat monkeys, uh, ew. <laughs> Other things. <laughs> Those are the greatest words ever spoken. Uh, ew. It's better than eating your family. It totally. is layers above eating your family. There are, there are, so, I mean, I feel like eating your family is worse. Like eating people's bad, obviously. Yeah. Eating your family is like, there's got to be some kind of other things that are even, I don't know. Eat somebody else's family. Yeah. Eat your neighbor's family. Be a good, no, not, you know. Not. Be a good neighbor. <laughs> Be a good neighbor and trade family members to eat. Again, you can have John. He's a piece of a leg. Just saying. Oh, we could subsist an entire winter off of one of John's legs. <laughs> All four of us could. Including John? Mm. I feel like that would make him sick. He doesn't seem adventurous. <laughs> no offense, but I feel like you wouldn't be down to let me cut off your leg and eat the meat. I just, you know, you're just not adventurous <laughs> with food but i could be wrong <laughs> no i don't think he would eat human flesh <laughs> especially his own oh my god i think i have the giggles shit <laughs> okay um their suspicions were confirmed when they found a pot full of human fat so he was definitely cooking down the fat from most likely you humans would think if i murdered my entire family mm. ate my entire family and had time to then 
go out into society, I feel like I'd clean up a little. Yeah, he like super fucking didn't. I'd be like, (laughs) oh, I buried them. That's why there's no bodies. Not there's bones scattered around my fucking living room. Yeah, they don't (laughs) say it here, but there's some fucked up shit. So I put it in the notes, but there's a picture of what they picked up of the bones that were left. There was still a lot like scattered around and shattered. Also, like at first he was trying to say that animals were the ones that picked the bones clean, but there was a child's sock found in a socket of a skull and the skull belonged to his wife. A child's yeah. sock? Yeah, and there was even a needle with a bead and some thread through it like she was actively sewing it. Why or did someone put it was. in her skull? I don't fucking know. Mm. But, I mean, it was intentionally buried in the eye socket. Dude, what so, the fuck? An animal didn't do that. No. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. It was bad. I was just curious if he admitted to it. He does. Okay. He is remorseful, for sure. That's not enough for me. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's not great. Remorse is not a strong enough emotion. So that's when Swift Runner claimed that he was possessed by a Wendigo. And that's why this happened. According to Swift Runner, he'd been possessed by an evil spirit. And that's when he murdered and ate his entire family. But as you might expect, that didn't really fly with authorities. Then Swift Runner went to trial in 1879 and the jury didn't buy his supernatural tale. And after about 20 minutes of deliberation, they sentenced the Cree to death. Swift Runner was eventually executed on December 20th, 1879. In fact, he was the first man legally hanged in Alberta, Canada. Kind of interesting. Wow. I think that's why this story is so prevalent yeah. as far as Wendigos go is because of also the first hanging yeah, in Alberta. Yeah, that's kind of huge. Yeah. And before his death, oh God, they did it again. The big man converted to Catholicism. <laughs> why? Do you who, think who there was no author named? It's just the uh, knowledge nuts site. The little man. <laughs> the little man I that wrote like this article. There might be a little bias about about big people on this. I'm getting <laughs> so I'm getting too. a little bit of an impression that that's we just had this conversation about trucks and men yeah. and, and you can interesting. So yeah. you think the writer probably drove a big diesel truck even though they didn't need it? I think. Um, he's got little nuts instead of knowledge nuts. Um, the website actually looks really cool. It looks like there's a lot of interesting articles on there. (laughs) If you're the author, no offense. This is a joke. We're grateful for the article. (laughs) If you have little nuts, there's nothing wrong with that. All nuts are important. Why did you have to say the big man? (laughs) We are a little curious about that. There are other adjectives (laughs) to describe a man. Big is like the first of many. Yeah. Like, come on. So before his death, the big man converted to Catholicism and moments before the trapdoor dropped, he gave a speech admitting his guilt. Quite a few people came to watch Swift Runner meet his maker, including one spectator who claimed it was the 29th hanging he'd witnessed, was thoroughly impressed with the show. As this- I think that guy needs to be investigated. <laughs> yeah, this guy sounds like that's odd. a real creep. I mean, like, again, you know, people have always been interested in this kind of gruesome stuff, but like... Super creepy, though, because yeah. as the, well, they call him the execution connoisseur. Um, <laughs> no, that is not an acceptable job title. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> no, not unacceptable job titles with Ellie. Okay. Um, <laughs> execution connoisseur on the list. No. So this creep who yeah. had been viewing 29 different hangings specifically came to Alberta, Canada to see the first hanging, you know? 
of a Cree native. It's just odd. What he said about it was that it was the prettiest hanging I've ever no. seen. No, absolutely not. Yep. Canceled. You're not allowed to call hanging pretty. That's just, that's not the adjective to use. Even if you're a hanging enthusiast, which again, red flag, that man needs to be investigated. <laughs> There's red no flag. shot he's not hanging cats in his barn. Oh yeah. But pretty? Flowers are pretty. It's messed up. Puffy I mean, clouds in a blue sky are pretty. I read articles, again, six foot tall. The average rope to hang a person with back then was like a little over five feet. He must have hit the ground. Just saying. Interesting you did that level of research. I didn't know that. Huh? <laughs> oh, no. I just listened to the last podcast on the left. Oh, I was going to say, how, it's odd you There's know that. Um, I'm concerned. Are you a hanging connoisseur? <laughs> no. No. This is actually an intervention. There is a very good episode from last podcast on the left. Very well researched, just like all of their episodes about executioners. Interesting. Yes. I have not gotten to that one yet. I'll yeah, it is. That one up. Very comprehensive and interesting. And it's so funny to hear about the normies that were doing it. It is very interesting how I actually think this is something that last podcast on the left has brought up, but just the idea that like we're all kind of disturbed by people being fascinated by this stuff, but humans have been into grotesque things for infinity. Oh, we've been true crime gladiators. I mean, humans love dark shit. Not when it happens to us, but we're fascinated by it. We just want to observe. Yes. And that has been, it's the same thing with like smut and that kind of stuff. When people are like, oh, people are so like over sexual now. No. Part time. <laughs> I work in a bookshop. I just reorganized the romance section. It included a lot of very old romance books. And let me tell you, it is not a new thing. When I was, this is, <laughs> this is another story that is like, but when I was like 13, I unintentionally came across some very dated smut. I was just looking up like old books, but I came across a book that was written in the Victorian era. Like it was old. I didn't finish it. I was scarred, but it was a very graphic porno book basically have you read worse since i would, I would imagine say I've read equitable similar sense, oh my god but, i mean it was wow that's pretty rough it was dark oh um not dark not dark no it was not safe for work it was graphic that's the word i'm looking for it wasn't dark it was not like a an abusive okay. sexual novel it was just something that a 13 year old who's looking up victorian stories would not have expected to come across and since then i have been very strongly of the opinion that people who are like people are too sexual now mm-mm this no, is a this is a human like condition that. thing. We like true crime and we like sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like true crime. There are two things that are important to humanity, oh true crime and God. sex. No, and when food. Oh yes. Yeah. Definitely yeah. food. Yeah. Um when we went to Pompeii and and there's like literally red light districts and you knew how um intense the red light district you were in and this is an old like active red light districts? No, this oh. was an old, now it's oh, an like open, historical. Yes, it's a historical cool. site. Um, yeah. All of the names are not coming to me, but it's, it's the oldest like, profession, right? Prostitution. Yeah. 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 Like Pompeii City, that kind well, of stuff. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So we would see all kinds of things. We saw really beautiful, nice homes or what were considered to be back in the day. Yeah. We saw pizzerias, all kinds of really cool stuff. Pizza's but, been around as long as prostitution. Oh my God, Yes. <laughs> Clearly. The two very important things. <laughs> and they had them in the red light district. Well, you, you know, you got to have a good slice of cheese after a good fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But anyway, so you knew the level and the class of red light district because there would be signs really high up that would have a number of phalluses. So if you had three phalluses, it was good. 
Yes. <laughs> so like instead of stars, they had dicks. Yes. <laughs> so, so like, three was oh, good. This is a five star Two was a, Yeah. That's fucking yeah. fan. So they I had like, Yelp in Pompeii. Yes. And you know, my stepson is there at the time. He was 10 and I'm just trying to like avert his gaze. So he's not looking at yeah. this stuff, but <laughs> oh my God, it was crazy. That's wild. Yes. And the art all over the place, like just in the bathhouses, in the gift shops, visit you a gift shop. Fascinating. Get some limoncello and an erotic vase. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyway. human, humans have been, we've been grubby little gremlins since day one. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with it as long as, you know, everyone's okay with what's being done and it's consensual. Totally. Don't be, you know, don't be doing stuff to people who aren't okay with it. And maybe don't be doing stuff in public because you don't know who around is not okay with it. But, you know, you know, be yeah. you. Just like cannibalism. Do it at home. <laughs> Get consent. Keep your cannibalism at home and consensual. <laughs> That's all, Keep folks. Keep your cannibalism <laughs> consensual. <gasps> oh, my KCC. God. KCC. That's the new org. But yeah, that's the uh, story of Swift Runner. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm really curious if having the cultural belief of a Wendigo made it easier for him to behave in that way because it was almost like permission. I feel you know like, what I, mean? I don't know what word to use, but I guess, yeah, I think that I would feel um, okay with that, using it as a reason. Yeah. Not necessarily an excuse, but yeah. culturally, oh, this is what's happening to me, yeah. obviously. Obviously, I'm being possessed by a Wendigo. And at what point do you tie, because I, I would have to assume there's obviously some mental illness going on. Maybe he just murdered them all in a bit of alcohol-driven madness. Maybe. I could see a situation in which you've been banished from your community and you take your family into the woods. You've already lost everything. Yes. You're drinking a ton. It's winter. You're not hunting maybe one or two other people in the household are hunting, but you're not holding up your end of the bargain and you start starving the simple solution and also being like a rageful drunk. Too. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking is like, first of all, I am not a pleasant person to be around when I'm hungry. I've accepted <laughs> that. I just, yeah, but you're not like cannibal level. No, but like I imagine being someone who is already known as being raging drunk, which generally, in my opinion, if you are mean when you're drunk, that is showing who you are. Yeah, that's Stop scary. drinking, but like, that's kind of like, you've got some shit to release and work on and get some therapy. Yeah. And it wasn't a thing. It was not an option for him at the time, but you know, um, so that, and then being hungry on top of it, being drunk, angry drunk and a hungry, angry drunk, even like accidentally just fucking terrible, but like beat your wife to death. And then you're like, well, yeah. it's already there. Yeah. Um, a horrific, horrific, unacceptable thing. But like, I wonder, I wish we had more details on it. Yeah. You know, I'm just curious. Well, all these really bad things happened. Winter came, banished from the community. He lost his job. So mm. he wasn't hunting and trapping like he used to. He was becoming an alcoholic. All of those bad things just compounded and I would imagine that any normal person going through that amount of really traumatic stuff would just fucking lose it. Yeah. I mean, it's like your sense of self, your sense of belonging and purpose. If you don't have those things, what are you? Yeah. You're a fucking Wendigo. It's purpose <laughs> like, is, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's the loss. And then it kind of feeds into the quote unquote greed is where you're like, it becomes all about you. Yeah. Um, I think that everyone is capable of really horrible things if driven to the point and- I mean, I struggle to kill bugs, but I, I know 
there are situations where I'm sure that I could be driven to do terrible things. And sometimes it's even when you look at like atrocities committed during war. I mean, the a shiver. I feel like a terrible person because I can't remember the name of it. The I'm going to open this. Yeah. Cracker open. I'm already on my second one. The, oh, you are? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I, I tried to be really quiet, but I'm sure it was caught on this. Um, I didn't hear it. Yeah. How I, I do you her. quietly open a fucking can? I opened can. it down here. I thought it was really With loud. With your legs? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you don't know how to. <laughs> you just a can or a bottle or a wine bottle disappears right here, and you just open. Uh-uh. No, I'm not at, like that. Not like that. This I'm is not a teeth situation. I meant with your thighs. Oh. Like you just have crazy skill. You just, you like, just pop. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no. some tentacle shit. No. I don't like it. No, 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 no. We're not doing no, that. No, I meant you just had crazy thighs. I do not wear. <laughs> My thighs are actually quite tired because I've been sorting the basement at the bookstore, and I had to carry many. Basement is all hardcover books. And I'm sorting out all duplicates and triplicates, of which there are many. I have gotten... What do you do with them all? I would imagine if a bookstore has duplicates and triplicates, there's a lot. Yes. For one book. For example, Dan Brown's Inferno. Oh my God, I'm sure. So many copies of those. And yeah, yeah, so, you know, they're sorting them out. And I don't know, I can't remember what she said the plan is to do with them after. But yeah, my legs are tired because I spent the whole time going up and down the stairs. Because I'm also very forgetful, so I would get down the stairs and be like, fuck, I went up there to get this and I didn't get that. And then I'd go up the stairs and then I'd be like, fuck, I meant to grab this from downstairs and bring it up with me. Dude, I went up and down the stairs so many times. I don't have my Apple watch on me, but I bet if you look at like the steps taken, <laughs> 20,000 steps. I was out of breath the whole time. Wow. It was a workout, man. I didn't have that problem when I worked at Borders. That was a long time ago, but no stairs. Lots of stairs. And the basement <laughs> has a smell. I mean, it's old, you know, and I think that there's no air passage. Not like a book smell? No. Like a dead animal smell? I have a poor sense of smell, so I can barely, I can, it's hard for me to distinguish, to define a smell. I can just, my levels are good or bad. I can't tell you more beyond that. However, I have had friends who have gone down there who say it smells very strongly of weed. I told my boss and I was like, hey, just a heads up. Apparently it always does. Oh, yeah. So um, I don't know. We might need to, need to cut this. I don't know if this is too personal, but yeah, <laughs> apparently it always smells like weed. And my guess is because there's no circulation down there and this bookstore has been around since the 60s, people probably smoke down there and the smell just lingers. It's in the pages. I, I could kind of smell it and it was kind of skunky. I feel like it smelled worse than weed. Like, I feel like it smelled bad. Like, hmm. uh, but there's also, I mean- Probably some mold. Like we get donated. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like, you know, you saying you have a bad sense of smell, not being able to clearly define what it is, stands to reason it must be pretty pungent if you can smell it. The fact that I could smell it, I was like, I'm going to smell bad when I, like, I'm going to have to shower after this. (laughs) That's so funny. It's going to go in the basement. my hair. I need to know. We need to capture the smell. We had John and came to visit me while I was at work one day on John's birthday and they went downstairs and then every one of them individually came up to me after and was like, Hey, just a heads up. Um, cause I was working there alone, I believe at the time. And maybe I wasn't alone. I don't know, but either way, um, cause I couldn't. And so I panicked cause I was like, did someone fucking come in here and smoke? And I have such a bad sense of smell. I just let them light up a fucking joint in the basement. And I didn't I thought notice you were going to say that they were accusing oh, you no. and just being like, Hey girl, you I might want to come never, back. Ever, ever <laughs> do that. I, I, I know um, you no. wouldn't. I would be I just, so offended. Like if I was you, offended listening yeah, and telling no. myself a story. I don't think they were accusing me of that. Now I'm a little worried. I no, I don't think so. No, they wouldn't. Um, I, my, I did get anxious though. Cause I was like, now they're going to think that I 
let someone come in here and do that and didn't notice. And then when I bring it up to my boss, she's going to think I did it. I would never, ever do that. She's worked there for a couple of years now. I'm assuming she knows. I I told her and she was like, yeah, that's like, that's always there. It's just been there forever. And you know what? It probably is partially It's probably like in the wood in the pages of all the books that have been hanging out down there for years. It is, like, yeah, because I would pull out a book and get, like, a whiff of it. And, again, yeah, it has to be in the shelf. strong because I could smell it. I can, like, kind of turn on and off my scent. If someone tells me, hey, do you smell that thing? Oh, yeah, I do smell it, but I won't notice it. I think my brain just has too much else, like, to focus on, so it kind of canceled out But if you're told sense. to look for the thing you That's why I it. hate when John's like, sorry, that was a smelly fart. Like, I wouldn't have fucking noticed. <laughs> Because of my and now I also have to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, I don't remember how we got here um, <laughs> at all. I don't even know how to get back on track. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, eating family. Yeah, the sum of all its parts. A Wendigo. Yes. Like, what caused? There's a lot you know. going, and maybe, and maybe it is a Wendigo and that evil spirit in a way. That also maybe means that maybe what happened to him was justified because maybe it was no longer fully him. And I also wonder, I mean, I have to imagine other things like schizophrenia and stuff tie into it. I would guess. Yeah, I was thinking like, okay, some type of psychosis could potentially be schizophrenia, which from what I've seen and some of the research I've done definitely seems to be triggered by drugs. Yes. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And of a certain age, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Some pretty dark shit. It's interesting that he, A, admitted to it, B, was remorseful. Um, Not that, I mean... There was another article I was looking at where he basically said... Actually, um, his wife, her name's coming back to me. I believe her name was Sun on the Mountain. Well, that's that's a Something beautiful really name. I, pretty like I wish that. I could hear. I know, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he ended up saying shortly before he died that he is no longer a man. Like he recognized that. I think that's he that's was fair. no longer human because of what he had done. Yeah, yeah. So he definitely realized you can't stuff a sock in your wife's skull. And apparently, when looking at the bones and everything, he did pick up her skull and said, "This is my wife." It's pretty rough. It's hard to imagine getting to that point. And I, like, I mean, I know it's possible, and I know that people do these horrific things and that again, like, I guess like we were saying, like everyone's capable of really bad shit. I, I, some people like their threshold to reach unspeakable violence is a yeah. lot lower. It's like, we're all capable, but what is the line? Where's the line located? Yeah. I mean, you even know? if you think about down to like the anatomy of it, uh, man, I could get into a car accident tomorrow and crack my skull and be a totally different person. I could be a monster yep. the next day. Oh, yeah. That's like one of the best ways to become a different person overnight is to get a traumatic brain injury. It's really interesting and also horrifically heartbreaking when you look at the statistics for divorce with people with brain cancer. And like, because imagine your spouse gets brain cancer and they become a totally different person and they become mean and abusive. And it's kind of, it's one of those tough things where it's like you want to stay with someone through sickness and health, but if they are a completely different person, they're no longer them. Yeah. And that's like, like dementia. It's really, you know, Everyone is capable of horrible things, be it caused by physical changes to the body or environmental changes or a combination of both. And like, I mean, people or even just like encouraged by groupthink. I mean, it happens all the time in, in war. People do really horrible. The Malay massacre in Vietnam. Yeah. It's hard because I want to say I have to believe that not every man who was involved in that was a horrible person. But at the same time, it's so hard. And I know that they 
witnessed unspeakable trauma and had horrible things happen to the people they love. But at the same time, I cannot imagine, I can't imagine even witnessing the most horrible things happening to people I love reaching a point where I'm going to break into a village and murder and rape innocent women and children. No, especially, I mean, Vietnam War is a complicated thing. We're not going to get into that, but like most complicated. Yeah. (laughs) And I I mean, no, no hatred towards people who served there because their people were drafted. I mean, you know, that's, Everyone involved you didn't have was, a choice. was fucked over. Your choice was taken from Yes, you. and then they get back and they're treated like shit. And it, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of feelings about that too. And, and oh, everyone yeah. involved was treated very poorly and it was really unfair to everyone. But yeah, it's just really interesting when you look at things like that. And when you look at like just humans are capable of unspeakable terrors and horrors. And not to say that he did not deserve what, ha- like I think hanging is a completely fair punishment for murdering and eating your whole yeah, family. If you take a life, yes, you know. Um, but it is really interesting and kind of scary to think that everyone is capable of something really dark given the right recipe. I guess my biggest problem with it is like, I don't think he killed them all at the same time. That's the thing that's hard for me to wrap. Like, mm, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around he that. He disappeared for winter. But could he have killed them all at once and just, I mean, like, we Maybe use, we he use our backyard as a freezer sometimes. You know, he could have froze meat for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely could have smoked meat. You know, Ugh. but he had a pot of boiling fat. So maybe he did freeze a block of fat so and he you, melted it to drink. First? The baby? Like who? Anyone that I would can't fight. imagine being a mother being like. Anyone that would not fight. eating our child. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I honestly don't know. And that's another, like, again, everyone's capable of unspeakable horror. I like to believe if I was in that situation, the unspeakable horror would be me taking care of myself, not someone else. Like, I yep. can't imagine going off into the woods a by. Be, or being like, I know this is going to be hard for you, but I think you should eat me. Yeah. I'm going to be dead either way. So like, eat me and, and easier, survive. Obviously easier said than done. Yes. But like, in my opinion, if I had all the white man's whiskey and, you know, whatever, I'd fucking draw a map for my family. Here's how to get to town. Look for the priest. I'm going to go drink myself to death in the woods and freeze overnight. Yep. Bye. Yep. Because I think I'm going to kill you while I'm a Wendigo. Like, I just, I don't know. I I feel something (laughs) evil taking over. I'm concerned that I won't be able to control it. But it seems like he was not in control at that point. He was, it was already too late. I think there's always like a glimmer of like, something's wrong. Yeah. But you reach that threshold. It's over. You, You can't go back and you fucking eat your family. I also find it interesting that he converted to Catholicism right before his death because nothing wrong with that. It's weird, right? I have a lot of respect for priests who are willing to go into prisons. And I think that's very genuine spiritual practice. If you're going in and trying to convert people who you see as the worst of the worst, but you want to give them an opportunity to grow as as a human. I have a lot of respect for that. I think, you know, that is a good aspect of of religion is giving people something to hold on to like a life raft. But at the same time, I do wonder if he was forced. Yeah, because it's just like, if his excuse was being possessed by the Wendigo, that in itself is a separate belief, in my opinion. Again, this is just me. I, I don't know how it is for them, but like I see that as a separate belief because the Wendigo is seen as the antithesis of a positive God in Native American culture. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to me that he was like, I was possessed by a Wendigo, but then he converts to a religion where that is not a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just almost seems, again, if it brought him peace, that's totally fine and but at the same yeah. time, it's very interesting because it does make me wonder if that if he really did 
you know. Yeah, I could see wanting to completely remove that concept and That's idea true. away yeah. from you so that you could actually find peace before dying. Yeah, give you some comfort that maybe there is there is some kind of peace where if you do I understand why people like to believe in things and, and um, I envy people who do. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but yeah. like the ability to believe that I almost think it's kind of, it can be healthy because it gives you the ability to forgive yourself. Yes. Um, not that you should forgive yourself if you eat your entire family and murder them. Like the whole family. Imagine a, lot. a reunion. It's your whole family. Families were big back then. Like, I, I don't know how many people were involved in the like eating, but eight, like, eight, I believe so. Six kids. You do not need to eat eight Wait, people over nine? a winter. Okay. Dude. Six kids, wife, mother-in-law, brother. No. Well, no wonder he was a big man. That's a lot of fucking people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> Listen. I, I'm not making it better. <laughs> no. It's like, hmm. <laughs> I just have sorry. to imagine being like a, like a priest in one of those, like, those boxes. Um, Confessional? Yes. In a confessional and, you know, like, sorry, father, I have sinned. I like kissed a girl before we were married or whatever. They're like, and I liked are. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> sorry, father. I kissed a girl and I liked it. Um, and then like, sorry, father, I murdered my family of nine and I ate them all. But I am remorseful. That'll be six Hail Marys or whatever it is that they say. Well, that's the thing, actually. I wanted to ask you, and maybe you know better than I would. I'm pretty sure it's Catholicism where they really do heavily rely on confession. Like oh, that is what? They rely on confession. Like it's something that is a regimen and that is done regularly to absolve you of sin. That's what made me wonder if oh, part that's of the why reason he why he converted is that he truly could be forgiven before he moved on yeah. to the next life. I, that makes I, I don't know. I, I believe that's a Catholic thing. Um, Catholics again, the, help. The, the woman <laughs> that I that I grew up with was Catholic. Was not like the friends I have now who are Catholic are not yeah. compared. Like they're you know amazing people and whatever. That has you can't to do compare. With to yeah, because for that. her it was. She told me I was going to hell for writing with my left hand. She told me I was going to hell for believing in dinosaurs. You love dinosaurs. I know. Like too much. No. Ex- you have a stuffed what upstairs? I have two stuffed <laughs> dinosaurs. One of them is weighted. I sleep with it every night. Dinosaurs are cool. There's a thing called a Dunkelsaurus. Look it up. Oh, they're so scary. They're I love it. super cool. They're gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I don't think, I think it's every religion's the same way. Even people who like atheists are the same way. If you are emphatic about your beliefs and you don't respect other people's lack of belief or belief in the thing, that's where it's a problem. Yeah, that's like, shitty. Yeah, like, like you can objectively listen to a conversation and listen to someone's beliefs and not be a dick about it. When people are super passionate about their religion, like I love having conversations with missionaries and stuff because it's like, I have a lot of respect for that. Like if you believe your thing and you're respectful yeah. of other people believing yes. in their things. And also That's if a Mormon thing. missionary comes to your door, you can ask them to wash your dishes. They're like, they will do it. <laughs> what? Yeah. I've never done this, but like my, my husband is ex-Mormon and like I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for the Mormons because yeah. in my experience, they are just like really sweet people. Very sweet. Yes. I've. I've had some experiences like met and sat at a cafe yeah. with two Mormons that saw yeah. me on the street when I was working at a many years ago Yeah, um, because I looked like wild. you needed some saving. <laughs> yeah. Girl with a dragon tattoo minus the tattoos. Just had I, all the piercings. I really liked those bangs though, dude. They look good on you. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, I love being a little goth girl. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like, I love having conversations with people about religion. There's nothing wrong yeah. with your beliefs as long as you're respectful to other people's beliefs. And I realize that sometimes I, I probably come across as not respectful of other people's beliefs. I don't but think I so. I love, you know, believe in your shit. If that gives you comfort, believe in it. Just don't tell a four-year-old they're going to hell for writing with their left hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's all 
I got to say on the matter. But you know what? If it gave him comfort, and I think what you said makes sense. Maybe it was like a, he had remorse and he got the comfort of, I am absolved of what I have done. Yeah. But through the grace of God or whatever, that maybe gave him comfort. Yeah, and we can save your soul before you are killed for yeah. your- Like him dying and going wherever that you go and then coming into the grace of- his native god, mm-hmm. one of the gods, the one, oh, and that one being yeah. like, you did what now? <laughs> <laughs> also, his family. Like, yeah, right. um, we don't, we don't do the whole absolving of sin thing. You're gonna have to go back and fix that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See you I next just, time. <laughs> you already called the Windigo card, so you're gonna have to stick with that. <laughs> And unfortunately, that means that you don't get to uh, hop on that train. But who knows? A go card. Oh, yeah. shit. Man. Maybe, I mean, you know, I think that there are beliefs that kind of, because t- Catholicism, and not just Catholicism, any religion, if you bring it into another culture, it has its own taste. I had a friend who grew up, I'm going to say the wrong country. It was somewhere in Eastern Africa, I believe. But she was Catholic. Her Catholicism was very different than the German Catholicism that I grew up around. Ooh, interesting. Just because, you know, they mesh with the original culture prior to the colonization. That makes sense. And it's really interesting, yeah, because sometimes they were a lot more reliant upon the using of statues or, you know, the there's still Idols. a little bit of, like, quote-unquote, witchery around the ritual. I mean, it, Catholicism has a lot of witchery yeah, in the rituals. But- my... I have some Catholics in my family that do not have crosses. They do not have statues, nothing. Really? Because it's Golden idols. idol, yeah. False idols, something like that. I can't remember. I'm All right. I respect clearly it. not I mean, that religious. So. At, least, <laughs> at least they're staying true to the Bible because it does say those things are not acceptable. So I respect that. It's, yeah, but then it's, it's like, help a bitch out. I can't tell that you're religious. I don't know if yeah. it's okay to say <laughs> Jesus Christ in your household. Yeah. I used to really offend my ex-stepmom when I'd say, Jesus Christ. They're like, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And I'm like, you haven't been to church in years. I said, oh my God, once when I was like eight and I was quoting a friend who had said, oh my God. And I got liquid soap in the mouth. <gasps> liquid soap? Liquid soap. I've gotten a bar. I have liquid pumped in. <laughs> mom or dad? I, oh, it was my mom. And she's going to listen to this and she's going to say, I don't remember that, but I remember. Was it dial? Like, I don't know. Palm olive? It was, I think it was green. Palm olive. Probably. Also, it was, how come your mom didn't like make her own soap? She seems like the kind of person that would know how to do that from birth. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think it was probably a time constraint thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time to make this. She was busy homeschooling us and working a full-time job. And That's fair. Maintaining the farm. And being a pilot and possibly in the CIA. Who knows? Yeah. Just kidding. No, she wasn't. <laughs> wink, wink. We're going to get ourselves disappeared. <laughs> She's going to call me and be like, you can't say that. <laughs> oh, God. We'll cut. <laughs> Coming to your location now. <laughs> What's that mean when the CIA is like, stay where you are, we're coming to you? <laughs> oh my God, that's terrifying. Oh, God damn. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, don't eat your family. I think that's the moral of the story, really, is don't eat your family and um, don't be greedy. Stay dirty. Uh, follow our socials. <laughs> also, while you're doing good things for the community, we are at Devil's Dirt Star on every single social you can think of. TikTok and Instagram are probably our most popular. We are also on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and Discord. Just so many. Yeah. There's some uh, ones I haven't even 
like didn't even know we were on. Yeah, <laughs> we're on. We're on pretty much everything. So find us there. Like us, follow us. Please subscribe to the show. Leave us a review. That helps us so much. Honestly, we have a Patreon if you want to help us out that way. But really, you know, just following us and listening to us and giving us reviews and sharing. That's what really helps us out. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We have people who listen every single week that we release and we're, we're so grateful for you guys. You are warming our little hearts, our yeah. little iced hearts, our little, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not a Wendigo. We don't got Wendigo hearts. <laughs> we don't got Wendigo no, hearts. I'm not, I'm not corkizing my mom yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Stay dirty. Stay dirty. <laughs>